All right, and welcome to Movie Mastery. Every time we do one of these, it's me, John, and my co-host, Jeff. We are watching the worst movies we could possibly imagine, and some that we couldn't imagine. They come from you, the listener. In fact, every single one of them comes from you, the listener. We don't choose these movies. The folks at home do. Damn you, folks at home, for making us watch these. This was a terrible idea for a podcast. So we have a big old wheel of movies that we get suggested, and we randomly pick one. And this week's selection was Dana Carvey's The Master of Disguise. Oh, it wasn't one of the other top Dana Carvey classics? Yeah, like... I don't remember either. Wayne's Wayne's World? Wayne's World 2? That's it! There you go. He had two movies in the 90s that we don't remember the names of, but who cares? I think Opportunity Knocks is one of his. Oh, there you go. Boom! Boom! Name a Dana Carvey movie other than Master of Disguise. Who's going on Jeopardy? This guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in that Dana Carvey category that they have. <laughs> Dana Carvey. I'll take Dana Carvey for 400. That's this more than movie Dana Carvey normally was garbage. Gets. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, crap. That's not good, Alex. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, what we do is we watch the trailer first, we give you our thoughts on that, then we take a little break while we watch the movie, come back and let you know. So, the trailer for this was... Let's see, this movie It came was out very around... Harry Potter. Yeah, it I was really say, wants you to think Harry Potter. Because this movie came out in like 2003, and I think the first Harry Potter movie hit in 2001. Yeah, I mean, I... I almost want to say they, like, damn near lifted the music well, directly from that. It's more than the music. There's at least a couple points where they show disguise things. You know, things he needs to use for his, whatever the hell he, he, it is he does, that are, like, obvious Harry Potter stuff. Like, literally, there's a box he has that says, like, disguise kit or something, written in Harry Potter fonts on it in, like, that raised wood lettering. Oh, yeah, he's got some, like, ball with runes on it that's all glowy. Like, this is... I... I mean, I, I've read about this movie before. It is nothing to do with magic. And for some reason, they're just really trying to get in that Harry Potter game. Yeah, so I, I probably because Harry Potter was the biggest thing on the block at that point. I mean, in 2001. Oh, yeah. What else were you going to do? I mean, the other things in progress at that time were that the Star Wars prequel trilogy was still happening. Oh, God. That's and, terrible. And the Lord of the Rings stuff was in, was in full swing, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, maybe. Something. Some, something like that. Something was happening. Yeah, there were but, some movies. But yeah, so uh, we get a couple disguises. Like, we get a Pacino well, the, Scarface the thing. The Pacino goes on a little long. And you know, that was definitely a problem for me in the 2000s, was that every movie had the say hello to my little friend line in it. I don't know why that became a thing, specifically in that time. Like, you had fucking the Austin Powers movies did that. Yeah, the scary movie did it with the uh, say hello to my little friend, and it's always a little person. That's, yeah. That's the joke. It is 100%. I, I assume in this movie he is going to do the exact same thing. Yeah, he'll say, say hello to my little friend, and then a little person will come out. Yep. Like, that, I almost guarantee that happens. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I agree just because he's the master of disguise. I don't know where, I don't know if his disguises include literally other people walking around near him, but sure, but why it's, not? it's that joke. Yeah, no, it, that is the only joke you get out of Scarface, which is weird, because you get it a lot. Yeah. And then we get his, uh, the, the one that's probably the most famous is the, 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 the turtle. turtle. Yeah. The stupid turtle costume. Turtle, turtle. Yeah, and he says turtle, and then he hides in his shell and he asks if he is turtly enough. Yeah. That's, uh, before I rewatched it, that was the only thing I could remember from Master of Disguise, like the previews when it was on originally, was that turtle club thing. Yeah. Because Dana Carvey just going, turtle, turtle, is, I don't know why it's memorable, but whatever. I, I guess it's like Saturday Night Live amusing. Like, for yeah. like the last ten minutes of a Saturday Night Live, you could probably fit in the Dana Carvey is a turtle sketch. Yeah, yeah that's that seems like some fucking B-roll filler Saturday Night Live stuff. And then he had a suave British guy costume that briefly showed up in the... And, and oh, again, yeah. straight up Austin Powers stuff. He did the... This is this is what you're doing with the flapping the, the hand thing, and this is what I want you to do. Remember that when he did oh, that yeah. to, to Scott Evil or whatever in the Austin Powers movies? Yeah, this is, that's is terrible. Also, in that scene, I didn't even realize until we watched the trailer right now. Fucking Brent Spiner is in this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This got Data himself, fresh off the success of seven years ago when he was in Independence Day. Oh, good for you. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. Oh, he, Brent. Don't feel bad for Brent. He's in the new Independence Day. Oh, yeah, they brought everyone back. Except yeah. for Will Smith. Except for Will Smith and, uh, let's see, what's her name from, uh... Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember her name now, but they, they uh, 
they brought in uh, the other person, or, or a new woman to play her because she didn't get hot enough because she was a kid huh. in the movie. And it, it caused a whole internet kerfuffle where they were like, why didn't they bring her back? You know, I agree. She's the, I know she does the voice of Katara on uh, Ang the, the Airbender or whatever that is. And <laughs> Ang the Airbender. Hey, there you go. Send me so many emails, everybody. You know that great Nickelodeon classic, Ang the Airbender. Who lives in the air temple under the sea. Yep, there you go. Good job, you did it. I think that's the one. I'm pretty sure that's it. That is exactly it. You've nailed it. Fine, it's called Avatar The Last Airbender. Please, I want so few emails about this. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Alright, so... So I guess we actually have to watch this movie now. Well, yeah, but before we do that, let's discuss what we expect there to be in the film based on the trailer. Well, uh, in addition to that dumb joke, I assume... For some reason, I have it in my head that he turns into a fire hydrant at some point. I don't know if this was a cartoon I saw about someone that was a master of disguise. <laughs> so it's going to turn into a fire hydrant. Like, I don't... I, I think I've, I saw that in a cartoon where it was like, I'm a master of disguise. And then, like, they run into... They're, like, chasing him. He goes out to the street. And then they look around. They don't find him. And then it turns out he's a fire hydrant. I think that's a thing I saw. Maybe that'll happen. That seems like the kind of gag they would go for. I'm going to say there's a brief moment where he calls himself Prince Pondicherry or something in in the trailer where he's wearing horrible brown face. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to predict that there's a lot of horrible brown face in this movie, and we're going to have to deal with that. Like, a lot of just racism that's out of place for, like, 2001 to 2003. Yeah, like, I... I assume it'll just be brown face and not actual black face, because I assume that's going to be just a little too far. Yeah, and, you know, his his particular troupe of comedians seem to think that making fun of Indians is totally cool. I mean, otherwise, how would you get the love guru? Huh. Oh my god, please don't suggest that we watch the love guru. Yes, please, do us a favor and do not suggest that we watch the love guru. We do not want to. <laughs> Doesn't it have Stephen Colbert or John Oliver or something? I'm sure it's got a bunch of fucking Mike Myers' friends that he was like, be in my movie. Yeah. That would be like an Adam Sandler movie. I feel like the Mike Myers movies are less scammy than the Adam Sandler movies, but still, I don't want to watch the love guru a lot. Yeah. That's that's how much I want to not watch it. Yeah, a lot. A lot. So I think Brownface, I also think that there's going to be one or two scenes where he's in like a ridiculous perfect costume, where he's like literally someone else entirely, but then the one time he's in drag in the movie, it's going to be absolute shit drag. Oh, I have to assume he's going to do the church lady. as a Like, I, I, I assume he'll have some of his SNL characters as a thing. Yeah. Like, I, I guess the church lady's going to be in there. Yeah, Garth maybe, or... Maybe, some like... Some of his big impressions, like he might do a Perot briefly. Oh yeah, no, I could definitely see him like trying to get into a place being Perot or some shit. Yeah, or or, or a, a Bush or a Neil Diamond. Oh yeah, yeah, well, I could I could see that. Yeah, so dumb impressions that he is famous for is another one that we're expecting. Yeah, uh, I'm also going to expect based on this trailer a lot of magic, like a surprising amount of magic. I mean, given that like I I don't know if the disguise ability comes from magic or whatever, but. Eh, we'll find out. Alright, so uh, you think we're good? Yeah. Let's go watch an absolute garbage film, and we'll be back after the break. In a place of mystery. In a world of magic. One family's extraordinary power to change their appearance will be left in the hands of one man. Oh, yes, I give it cheese. Nice, you like? Oh, yes, you like it, cheese. Papa. Now, to solve a mystery. It is time for you to find your mother and your father. This simple waiter must become much more. Now I can teach you to become a master of disguise. Really? I'm going to be a master of disguise. I'm going to be a master of disguise. I'm going to be a master of disguise. Your training begins now. Prepare to make the change. You are a fatty. <laughs> what is happening? Ah, save me! Save me! Ah! Sorry, Grandpa. He will need a partner. Assistants commonly fall in love with their disguising masters. Can you resist, Pistachio? Can you resist me? I'll give it a shot. He will need practice. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Now you try. Who is your daddy? And a whole lot of patience. You got a little tomato soup or a crouton? 
No. You got some Neapolitan ice cream, you know, you got the vanilla chocolate strawberry. One of the greatest things ever invented. And you don't got it! In a carby. I am Prince Lalejama. Swove, Terry Swove. Are you a member of the Turtle Club? Am I not turtly enough for the Turtle Club? <laughs> Tell me when you might show. No, no, no. Where'd he go? <laughs> the master of disguise. I think it's time for you to go. This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. Did you just tell me to shut up? Yes. And we're back. A dinosaur story. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. Dinosaur story. That's the sequel. Yeah. The confusingly named sequel to We're Back, A Dinosaur Story. Yeah, it's is- We're Back. And then, and we're back. Yeah, and then the second one, or the third one is called, We're Back, A Dinosaur Story 3. <laughs> it's real weird. It's set on a prison. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. It's an aliens thing. You that's finally nice. got Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that happened. Thank you for that. You took me on a magical journey through a wonderful place. Your realization was amazing. <laughs> the moment where you're like, uh-oh. Aw, aw. Aw, you went to aliens, aw. There shouldn't even be a fourth one. And here we are. And yet. I know. Uh, so this was possibly one of the hardest to actually sit through and watch movies that we've done. I can't imagine watching this in 2003, and I'll tell you why I can't imagine watching it in 2003, because I don't think I had a cell phone. Yeah, no, if I did not have a smartphone to be able to be like, oh god, I can't handle this anymore, I need to like, play cribbage on my phone. I desperately need to see if we got any emails about System Mastery so bad. (laughs) What, we didn't? Damn it, I'll check again. (laughs) Okay, let's see if anybody wrote anything new on Facebook. Let's refresh that. Yeah. Refresh that. Maybe Twitter. Let's get into into that loop. Facebook Twitter loop. (laughs) Okay, so, this, yeah, yeah, no, this was interminable. Not only that... It was, like, right out the gate, just fucking the worst. Oh, so annoying. Okay, so it opens with, like, a crime sequence where Bo Derek is stealing, like, a jewel. No, I, yeah, she's stealing, like, jewels or something. Yeah, stealing a thing from a rich guy, and, and it turns out that Bo Derek is actually a dude. Yeah, and it's, uh, I forget the guy's name, the actor's name, but it's it, it's the father of Dana Carvey in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and so he his perfect disguise is Bo Derek in her 10 outfit. Yep. So he robs the place as Bo Derek using her, the, the kind the, of... That famous outfit. Yeah, not the not the bathing suit, but the actual other outfit in the movie, and he she, and she uses it to fly... And then it's actually Bo Derek in the movie, because this movie's got a lot of what we probably should have predicted, which is cameos that are actually disguises. Yeah. So, yeah. So we get a little background, we get some narration on like, hey, the people learn how to be disguised people, and they use their power for good. Oh yeah, a few people are magic disguisers, and they've always existed, and there's a shot of a dinosaur eating someone while someone, like, dressed as dinosaur poop sneaks away. Yeah. It Okay. And then we find out that this guy was like, I don't want to use my disguise powers anymore. I'm going to be a regular dude. And then we flash forward to present day where Dana Carvey, who was probably like five years younger than this guy, is his son. Yeah, and oh my god. I did, you know, I should have guessed based on the limited amount of talking that they let Dana Carvey do in the in the tr- trailer. In the trailer, he has like one line. It's like, oh, oh my, yes, oh, oh, you like it, the cheese. Uh, here's good, good the cheese, yes. Yeah, which turns out isn't a disguise where he's like trying to disguise himself as an Italian waiter. No, no, he is pistachio disguisey. The a, Italian waiter. An Italian waiter who is... Like, if I was Italian, I would be so offended at this. It is the worst. There's nothing Italian about his accent. He's he's doing kind of a, a stuttering, nebbish thing. <clears throat> and he's he's doing the terrible, stereotypical Italian accent with yeah. just adding an A at the end of everything. Yeah. But everything he does, he do. Yeah, okay, so it sounds like if Latka from, uh, from Taxi was trying to do an Italian accent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. It was that's... just... And that is that is his baseline thing. Unless he goes into a disguise where he does a different voice, he spends the entire movie doing the worst Italian accent. Yeah. 
And always in that kind of high, whispery register. So he's always like, hello, I am a, 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 a little Italian man. And oh, I am, I am, oh, oh my, oh, oh, I am so sorry. Oh, it's a me, Papa. That's, that's all you get out of him. Yep. So he's an actual Italian waiter and probably pretty good at his job, but the other employees don't like him, so they sabotage him to make him bad at his job. Here's the setup we get from this scene. Uh, he has spent his whole life secretly being a disguisey guy, but not knowing that. Yeah, so he always has the urge to disguise himself and to imitate other people's, uh, like, voices and accents. Which constantly gets him in trouble, because he's, he starts copying people and can't help himself. Yeah. And so we get to see him, these two Texans who order some, like, spaghetti and they want lots of cheese or something. They have a, they do kind of an ugly American thing, because this, this movie is set in Italy. Uh, I think. No. No, it's in America. No, it's, it's in America. It's America. But it's, uh, you, oh, jeez. Oh, you're right. It's probably like New York or something. Yeah, I, I assume. It doesn't fucking matter. No, it never, doesn't really matter. It's just, here's an Italian restaurant. Uh, like some Texans show up and they're like, give me spaghetti and meatballs. And then he starts doing their voice. I believe he, he insists on man-sized meatballs is, is the thing that sets him off where he's just like, Give me, make sure I get some of them man-sized meatballs. And then, then Pistachio's like, the, the, the man-sized meatballs. And, and then they, that's all it is. He just copies them and they get mad at him. And then another waiter tricks, so here's our setup. He does that, he copies people, he has a natural tendency to disguise himself, he's very apologetic and very nebbish, no one likes him, and he likes huge butts. Yeah, because that's a thing that, is apparently, I guess, an Italian stereotype, because, like, the whole disguise family likes big butts. Like, huge butts, and it's, he, his thing is he wants to find a woman with a butt like mama. That's yeah. what he keeps saying, which is, ugh. 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 Mama, ugh. mama, in this case, is played by a great character actor, Edie McClurg. Yep. You'd remember her as, like, the, uh, the secretary in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And, uh, don't worry. She has, like, three lines and does nothing. Oh, yeah. She's basically always cooking in the background. This, honestly, this entire film is full of actors that are way better than Dana Carvey in this mm-hmm. doing one thing and then gone. Yeah. So, Edie McClurg, every time they cut to her, she's she is muttering to herself constantly in this movie. She's like, oh, and then they put a bit of this and a bit of that. But no actual lines, and she's just cooking. And usually it's just throwing flour around. Yeah. Usually. So, that's fun. So, anyway, he wants a big butt, and there's a waitress, or there's a woman who he's been dating that dumps him, and she has a big comic butt. Yeah, and she's seeing the other waiter that hates him. And that waiter looks like he's from every Adam Sandler movie. He's not. He's just got that look. Yeah, he looks like the I'm the bad guy jock stand-in. Yeah, there you go. You, like, just think of that, and you probably got pretty close to what he looks like. And then there's... Uh, he befriends a small okay. kid. Yeah, there's a kid, and he has a dog. Named... He's bad at skateboarding, and he hurts himself, so he helps him out, and that's how he ends up later running into this kid's mom. The love interest of the movie, played by Jennifer Esposito. And so... Anyway, uh, the the guy that, in the beginning of the movie, that he uh, his dad stole stuff from, comes back and kidnaps his mom and dad... And so Pistachio has to save his mama and the papa. And he calls the police and they hang up on him because he's so annoying. Is the best I, I can get. Like he calls, he's like, my mama and papa were kidnapped. And they're like, oh, you sound awful. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> like literally, it sounds like he's calling the audience. He's oh yeah. Like, he's like, hello, I, w- would you be interested in a, in a talking to me for an extended period of the time? Oh god, this is the worst. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Just hang up. Nope. Nope. Deal with it yourself, kid. Yeah, I like. I don't know if it was like, oh, we recognize you. Apparently, I guess you call us. I don't know. The police just went, nah, fuck it, we don't care. Yeah, which is hilarious because you need that for the movie to make sense. Is that you know, the police just don't get involved, and and there's never going to be a policeman in this movie. Yep. So then we get the grandfather to show up. Oh boy! And the grandfather shows up and is an actual disguisey who is not pretending to not be a disguisey. Which and means, once you, like, ah, you need to embrace your d- disguise heritage. Yeah, and the weirdest thing about this movie, and this was one of my predictions, was that the movie was going to be surprisingly magic-y. It's odd, because it, it has nothing to do with magic, it's just... Energico. It's Energico. He, you channel the, 
energy of the universe into becoming another person. And, you, and he actually has Carvey chanting something like, I am another person. I am another person. I am another person. And, and then he turns into another person, but really badly. Yeah. Oh, God. And the, ver- the very first thing he does is that brown face shit. Oh, yeah. He turns into an Indian prince who has to snake charm. Yeah. And so then we get some horrible like, snake charm jokes. And the only joke in the movie to actually make me laugh. Yep, that's true. Because it was a gag where he goes to do the flute to charm the snake. And then it just starts playing some Kenny G. And the juxtaposition of that made me giggle. I am almost ashamed to admit that something in this movie made me laugh. Yeah. This is one of those movies where I wanted to laugh because of how dumb things were. Like, I wanted to laugh at how shockingly stupid things were. But even then, it didn't hit. Because I've seen enough of these movies already. I've seen all the Austin Powers movies. You can't throw something in out of left field at me anymore. It has to at least be a little funny. Yeah, well, it has to have some reason to be there. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, anyway, turns out Energico is the secret by which you disguise yourself. But also, disguising is the secret by which you disguise yourself. Because they spend a lot of time on makeup. The brown face thing is just brown face. Uh, he's only channeling a super racist accent. That's yeah. all, the, all the channeling actually is. Yeah. Oh, and apparently the ability to play Kenny G on a flute. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and his... So his grandpa can act, does the, the... One of the things we mentioned where it's... When he disguises himself, it's literally just a different person. And then they do that whole... And now I take off the mask, and then it does that cut, yeah. and it's them. Yeah. Uh, so the, you know, the grandpa and his father and everything, whenever they disguise themselves in the movie, it's a seamless, actual other actor, but the entire movie is just Dana Carvey is Dana Carvey. In a series of wigs. Yeah. There actually isn't. I, and one of my predictions that I was wrong about was that we'd see Dana Carvey do a perfect disguise he, at some point. He does one. He impersonates a guard at one point. At oh, the very yeah. end. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah. it. That's it. Until then, it's just him with stuff smeared on him. Yep. And I, I want to. Okay, so let's get through this. Uh, basically, his fa- his grandfather runs him through an advanced training exercise, which includes the only fighting that you can do, which is slapping people yes. and saying, "Who's your daddy?" Yeah, they slap people and say, "Who's your daddy?" That's the disguisey way of fighting because it leaves the person with their dignity intact. He said. This movie left no one with their dignity intact. No. That's a weird thing to add to this film, because it did not work. Uh, and then uh, there's a, they have a robot that they use for slap practice. Yeah, the slap robot. Yeah, they have a slap robot for slap practice. And then also, there's some shtick in there with, like, an inflating suit. And I, I don't... Who gives a fuck? And uh, some basics about how to disguise yourself, which leads to a lot of shots of Dana Carvey doing various types of racist things. Then they start a process of trying to hire an assistant. Yeah, so we get our uh, love interest, the mother of the small child that he earlier befriended. Yep, again, Jennifer Esposito, and they make fun of her for not having a big enough butt. Yeah, oh, look, you've got a small butt. Why would I ever want to be near you? Right. Great. And then they go off to try and investigate the, the family name, and it involves, like, a finding a cigar that's from a specific club, the Turtle Club. Yeah, so this does that thing where, like, fucking, your assi- the assistant is always way more uh, observant and better at things oh, than yeah. he and is. And then he takes credit, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so there's also the recurring line of, like, oh, there's, we found a thing from, a uh, cigar from the Turtle Club, and we should go to the Turtle Club and investigate. Oh, that's crazy. Crazy enough to work, and he says that line at least like three more times. That's correct. Well. That that line shows up about three times. There's a lot of bad recurring jokes in this, and we'll get yeah. to another one in just a minute. Oh, and you're like the first time you did it, you were like, oh, that's that's a dumb, worn out joke to begin with. But then you're gonna keep milking it, right? Yeah. Oh my god. And he says it that first time after he pops his head out of a dumpster and he has like a weird thing on his head and it's not trash. It's like, it's like a dumpster searching device or something, but it's unremarked upon. It's just, it's just extra piled on stuff. Oh, disguise layers are called nests and that's what that box that looks all, uh, it's a nest in a box. A nest in a box, which is basically just his disguise kit. Yep. It's, oh, and he has a pop-up book that tells him the rules. Oh, yeah. There's the rules of being a disguisee, which is literally a pop-up book, and is used for a couple of moments of shtick in the film. Yeah, it's, oh, well, you know, what do you have to say about this specific situation? And then it has a thing that specifically pertains to that. Great. Right. Yeah. We've seen that line before. It's not, it, it's, it's usually a fortune cookie thing. Yeah. 
But sure, why not do it with a pop-up book? Anyway, they end up going to the Turtle Club to investigate the Turtle Club, and that's the famous turtle scene. Which, I, I assumed he was going to be a weird guy that was turtle-y. Yeah, but no, he spends the entire time basically being a Pokemon, just walking around going, turtle, tur- turtle, yeah, he turtle. Yeah, barely he ever says turtle, he just kind of goes, turt, 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 the whole time. It's like he's, it's like he's disabled. It, it, I was figuring he was going to be kind of like a Batman villain, you know, like a campy 60s Batman villain, like go in there and be like, I'm turtle enough for the Turtle Club. <laughs> and turtles. And then he'd make, like, turtle-related puns. Oh, yeah. I, I assumed there was going to be a whole turtle shtick. Yeah. There was going to be stuff about, like, I don't know, at least making reference to, like, maybe the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, yeah, I thought we might get some of that. We might get some of that, like, uh, oh, well, that just bounces right off my shell. Or, oh, yeah. I'm having a shell of a good time, Turtle Turtle. But not, instead, he all, only ever says turtle. Yeah. So he... He basically seems like a mentally disabled adult in this point, especially because fucking Jennifer Esposito is just leading him around. Yeah. And it seems like she's his handler. It, it seems like, why did she bring him? You know, like, if if she can get... Because he has nothing to do with how they got into the Turtle Club. She basically talks him in. Oh, no. She uses the fact that he seems... Re- like, completely retarded. As to- like, oh, he's always wanted to go to the Turtle Club. Can't he just come inside for a minute? And they're like, all right, sure, we'll be nice to this guy. Yeah. And I mean that as in, he literally seems as though he's trying to, he's portraying a mentally disabled person in this scene. It is. It's, it's offensive. No, I think pretty much every costume he puts on is offensive outside of like, when he disguises himself as a cherry pie later on in the movie. Yeah. And I guess if cherry pies had sentience, then they'd probably be offended by it as well. Yeah. I mean, he probably got a letter from the AS Pi CA. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> ha. Woo! Ha ha! Butterfuco! Left one of those cherry pie stains on the dress. Hi-ho! Hey! Gonna be uh. here all week, people. So, yeah. Anyway, Turtle. He just says Turtle the whole time. And she gets him in by going, Oh, he's just always wanted to come to this club. He doesn't even know what it is. He's a big, stupid stupo. You'd be mean to not let him in here. Yeah, and so the... You know, the bouncer just goes, oh, all right, what are you going to do? And they they then go to, I guess, the guy who sells cigars and goes, hey, do you know who who you gave this cigar to? And from a stub of a cigar, they're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly who I sold that stub of a cigar to. I sold that to the bad guy, Brent Spiner. Yeah, I sold that to Brent Spiner, and he's a guy, and he likes this and that. And then just willingly gives up all of this information about someone that's incredibly wealthy. Mm-hmm. To someone who is obviously not supposed to be there and has a stub of a cigar, but then won't tell them where he lives. Yeah, that's he, it. He gives up at one point. He's like, "Well, I have to protect my co- my confidentiality of my uh, customers." After I gave you his name and habits and interests and so on. And incidentally, I'm giving all this away to what is apparently a Pokemon fetishist. Yeah. So, and then we get a, a scene where some business guys make fun of Dana Carvey. Oh, for being too turtly. They they like they have some turtle jokes they lob they lob at him. And but he, they aren't good ones. It's not. Oh like, no, it's, it's a bad joke. It's never like like oh that guy's really coming out of his shell or whatever. It's just that guy looks like an idiot. Oh, you're you like turtles, you big dumb guy. Yeah. And so he does the whole like oh I'm gonna hide in my shell and like goes into a suit, then pops out. Bites a guy's nose off, and when I say that, I don't mean like, oh, and then there's blood everywhere. I mean it magically disappears. Yeah, there's a comic, there's a uh, like a cartoon visual of his face with his nose missing. Yeah, it's just now a flat plane of flesh. Yeah, and then he spits it back onto his face, and it goes back on normally. Yeah, it's a, an it is insane... the only thing in the movie that is magical. Yeah, it's an insane cartoon moment. Yeah, like I feel like the movie. Didn't know if it wanted to go full cartoon, try and be, like, a parody of some things. Well, I feel like the, the original plan for this movie had to be, let's make Austin Powers, because there's good money in Austin Powers, and I mean, you're Garth to his Wayne. We could do that, but we can't do a spy movie, so we'll do a detective movie. And then they got what they had, what they created, they were like, well, fuck it, try and sell it as Harry Potter, I guess. Yeah, I don't... It just... Everything seems so confused in this movie of what it wanted to be. Right. I mean, the mechanics of how it came into existence are obvious. 
Uh, can can we talk about Brent Spiner for a second? Yeah, sure. Brent Spiner, the big bad guy of the movie, uh, evil bad guy man. I don't remember and, if he has a name. And uh, I mean, he does. And every time he gloats over uh, the father, the disguisey father. Oh yeah, who he he's forcing is... to steal things and all the great treasures of the world. So, so he goes and gets like the Liberty Bell. And every time he does it, his, this is a recurring shtick. Here is the father. Shows up as a, a minor celebrity who is in the movie for about ten minutes. and Or for two minutes. Yeah, and then the people just let this celebrity take something. So they're like, oh, they just let Jesse Ventura take the Liberty Bell. Yeah, and they let Jessica Simpson borrow the Constitution. Oh, uh, the Lunar Module. Oh, that's right. It was Lunar Module for hers. Con- Constitution was someone else. Yeah. It was just, alright. And they got, you know, those actual people to show up for a minute to be like, hey, can you, like, I don't know. Let me borrow that Liberty Bell. Okay, Jesse Ventura. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And then he gets in and makes a bizarre, an awesome bit for Jesse Ventura. He, he as Jesse Ventura talking to Brent Spiner, he's like, you never doubt my professionalism for a second. And then he takes the mask off and it's back to boring shit. And I was like, oh, oh, the body was in this. <laughs> yeah, this yeah like I be said, good for a minute. this movie is full of just little bits of actors that you'd way rather see do things than anyone that's actually in the movie. Imagine how much better this movie would be if it starred Jesse Ventura. Right? That guy is out of his mind. It would have been amazing. <laughs> uh, and so, as well, Brent Spiner's only defining characteristic is every time he gloats and does an evil laugh, he farts, and then and it, it stops him from laughing. And then he looks embarrassed for a minute, and everyone in the scene looks embarrassed for a minute, and I feel embarrassed for a minute because I'm watching this. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is Brent Spiner acting. I think every time they make him do that fart bit, he stops, realizes what he's doing, and gets a little embarrassed for being in this movie. Right. So, it's, ah, ha, ha, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> oh. yeah, just over and over again. That that, that sequence happens five times. And it culminates when in the big fight scene at the end with him running away and laughing and farting as fast as he can. Yeah, so he's laughing and farting and laughing and farting and laughing and farting. And then he finally, like, laughs and then farts and then the last one makes him embarrassed. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> okay. So Turtle Club doesn't work, so they try to raid his mansion with a series of disguises because he's having a big party. Yeah. And, uh, let's see. that. So we, we uh... I don't remember the exact course of events think, that lead to this. Part of it is that is that uh, he tr- he invites them to come because he's inviting uh, the the assistant. Oh on yeah, a date. because they go to a uh, they they know that this guy is going to be at an antique roadshow type thing looking oh, for yeah, stuff. Oh yeah, that's where the drag scene like I was predicting. Yeah, so he doesn't actually go as the church lady, but it's basically the same outfit. But he's Grammy num num. Yeah, he shows up as Gammy num nums instead, oh. an, an old lady who does bizarre things. And it's and it's I'm an old lady, but I want to have sex with you. And that's the whole bit. And it's not in a cougary way. It's just in a sort of she keeps trying to make him hold her leg. Yeah, she's like, oh, don't, don't touch me there. Oh, you scoundrel! And being just yeah, the it's, worst. It's kind of Paul Lindy for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gammy Num Nums doesn't like it when you touch her leg right there. And I'm gonna put my leg in your arms. Oh, oh, fresh masher. <laughs> and it's it just goes on for a long and, and the whole time. The whole scene, he keeps popping back in and doing that, and then Brent Spiner pushes him out of the scene so he can advance the plot. Literally, shoves him off screen and goes, Okay, well, I guess I'll invite you over to my house where I'm having a party, Jennifer Esposito, because my house is where I'll have the secret stuff you're trying to get back. Oh, I'm Gammy Nom Noms. Oh, I can see you looking at me pushed out of the way. Okay, so anyway, back to the fact that I'm the villain and how this movie's going to end. And (laughs) I'm Gammy Nom Noms. I'm ruining the thing again. Just it's just over and over. Yeah, and that is pretty much the whole plot is Dana Carvey ruining everything. Yeah, it's it's Dana Carvey putting on disguises that don't do any good and that don't affect the plot in any meaningful way, except distract from Jennifer Esposito trying to do the the job. Yeah, the uh, so then he does a Scarface impersonation in the party. So he goes to the party with her as her date, and her the thing is he's going to distract Brent Spiner. While she pretends to go to the bathroom and instead searches the mansion. Yeah. So, what he does, so she goes, oh, I need to use the little girl's room, and, and Brent Spiner's like, well, I'll walk you to it, cause I'm a weird creep. <laughs> and then she's like, no, no, please don't. And he's like, okay, fine, it's in the house in this level. And she goes away. And then, at this point, it becomes Dana Carvey's job to stop him from getting anywhere. And he does this by being the most off-putting he possibly can. Yeah. He's just 
super confrontational and weird, and he's like, oh, I've got a, a rare thing I want to sell you, and he's like, oh, I'd be interested in that, but first I need to go talk to these people. And instead of being like, oh, that means he's going to be distracted, and then when he's done talking to them, I can talk to him about my thing, he's, like, he's no, just I- like, no, you have to talk to me. No, do it. Pay attention to me. I want the food. Get, and, hey, get, get me the food. Yeah, so he does his dumb Scarface thing, and no say hello to my little friend. No say hello to my little friend, a lot of other Scarface stuff, and then for some reason a Scarface dance sequence. Yeah, this is one of those things in movies that I never understand. They do this mostly at the end of movies where they're like, and now we end on dance. Oh yeah, like CGI movies that aren't by Pixar always end with like... Just DreamWorks always ends in a dance sequence. And then I saw her face... Now I'm a believer, and every character in the movie is in on this dance. And so, but instead of being at the end, it happens right in the middle of the movie. He's like, oh, I'm going to do a dance sequence. You're like, what? Yeah, I'm just going to get on stage. There's a stage here, by you the know, way. You know like that famous scene in Scarface where Al Pacino just begins dancing? Oh, yeah, and there's a bunch of backup dancers. Yeah, you remember that yeah. scene. It's famous. Yeah, it's famous. And, and the backup dancers come out of nowhere, because otherwise, would he bring backup dancers with him? I, yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. And for some reason, him doing a, an entertaining dance sequence that is entertaining the crowd angers Brent Spiner. Yeah, get that guy out of here. Get that. He's ruining my party. And meanwhile, there's a whole bunch of people like, yay, a party is happening. There's a dance thing. This is cool and spontaneous. And he's like, oh, no, random thugs I have. Get rid of him. Yeah. So <laughs> then they toss him out. He tries to come back in as like, a German tax auditor yeah, to get up. Jennifer Esposito out. Which he's is like, a- oh, I need to talk to her because she owes taxes in Bavaria. Yeah, like, he's okay, got great. Leader hosen and the little arrow hat. Oh yeah, it's it's just everything that he does. If he's going to be something, it is going to be the stereotypical version of yeah, that. Yeah, so he does a stereotypical, creepy, smiling too much German. Yeah, so if he's going to be German, he is going to be straight up fucking Oktoberfest, Lederhosen shenanigans. Uh, and then that doesn't work. And they like, start chasing him at this point. Like, for some reason, they just go, uh... No, get fucked. No, fuck off. They literally like, throw him and then they start chasing him. And then he runs away from them and hides... As a cow patty. Yeah, he disguises himself as a cow patty that they step on. And then there's a whole scene of him running around in a suit made out of grass. And a cow patty. And a while cow he patty. runs from them. Yeah. And... You know, he it, like it was like a Scooby Doo scene because it was like one hundred percent Scooby Doo. Like yeah. he just runs through things and then he's like hides himself behind a newspaper. Yeah, it that was, kind of thing. I was kind of hoping for the hallway door opening sequence from Scooby Doo. Oh yeah, I mean they had a mansion; they should have done it. Come right? on, that was that was a missing opportunity for this film was to do the as long as you're going full Scoob, you might as well do the door opening mansion sequence. Yeah, uh, and then he finally does manage to get her out of the mansion as the British guy. He shows up as like a special, like uh, MI6 type thing. He's like, I need her for a thing that we're doing. Yes, and and she'll know all about it. It's some sort of art heist or something, blah, blah, blah. You know the details. Pip and two cherries. He just keeps spouting quite, not quite British stick. Yeah, and is... I'd say it's probably the least offensive of his various things that he does. Yeah, because making fun of upper uh, stiff upper lip British people isn't racist, I think is probably why. Yeah, and he didn't show up in, like, a full fucking Union Jack outfit and, like, with a cup of tea or anything. Like, at least the disguise seemed somewhat normal. I'm picking, I'm, now I'm picturing him showing up as that Superman villain Manchester Black and being yeah, like... that's what happened. He <laughs> showed up as Manchester Black and was like... Oi, mate! <laughs> I'll blow you up with me head, I will! I swear <laughs> on me mum! Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That is that is exactly what happened. That would have been way better than a brief appearance of a mustachioed James Bond with a cane that we got. Yeah. He does a little bit of Alan Quartermain, and then he gets her out of there. There you go. Uh, and, uh... So we find out, like, they figure out that he's stealing all these things, so they want to stop him. Yeah, and so they infiltrate his compound, and meanwhile, he's, the dad is still dressing up as other people, and, oh, he uses a, uh, an orb he has that he gets to ask one question of, and it pops up his grandfather. His grand, like a big, floating, holographic grandfather head. Yeah, just his grandfather's head, who's like, I'm pre-recorded to answer your question. Shut up, you dog! And there's like a dog nearby or something, and there's some shtick like that. Uh, it, it's, it's just garbage. The it, whole thing front to back is just the worst. 
I'm trying to remember if there's anything we missed around this boring middle part of the movie. Because this was the worst part. The part where I was just like, nope. Yeah. Nope, I am out. Uh, we get a small sequence of them, like, Dana Carvey and Jennifer Esposito falling in love. Oh, yeah. Because they go to a bar to talk about what to do next. And then, uh, her boyfriend is on a date with the chick that he liked. Right, and it's... It's not, it's just her, her mean boyfriend who's, her boyfriend gets one scene in the movie other than this, and it's him being nice to her, but mean to Pistachio. And mean to the kid. Like, he doesn't like the kid, and then when, as soon as, like, Jennifer comes back, he's like, oh, good job, kid, you'll learn how to skateboard eventually. It's, it's weird. It is, it is 100% just a, we needed to establish that this guy is an asshole scene that is in a lot of those movies. Yeah, you need to have the scene where the hero wins the girl away from the asshole boyfriend. Like, she can't just be single. That would have been too no. complicated for the film. So instead, she has to have an, a, a cartoonishly asshole boyfriend. That's well, she has to have a, a boyfriend that's such a big douchebag that it makes someone like the hero actually appealing. Yeah. You need that. He can't win on his own merit, so he has to win on the back of a total On the fact ass. that, comparably, he's not the worst. Yeah. This is an Adam Sandler movie staple. Oh, yeah. It's... Oh, well, I may be kind of a dumbass and a bit of a weirdo. I've got a speech impediment and my job is a joke, but at least I don't try to rape you. Yeah, at least I'm not an abusive asshole that's also cheating on you. Yeah, right, that's awesome. Every Adam Sandler movie is him going like, well, how would anyone fall in love with this garbage idiot character that doesn't fucking make any sense? That and I love take the, off those cargo shorts. She even says like, "Oh, when I first met you, I thought you were really annoying and weird and stupid." And then I'm like, "Yeah, but full stop," because he still is. Yeah, that'd be a great way for that that scene to have ended. Yeah, when I first met you, you were terrible. Anyway, let's go find your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so. They they do a raid on the on Brent Spiner's and house and he we get a small scene with Kevin Nealon as the black market eBay guy. Yeah, that's right. Who's trying to figure out where uh, Brent Spiner is getting all of these things? Where he's like showing him, yeah, I've got the Statue of Liberty's head, and I have uh, the Liberty Bell and the Constitution, and I've got uh, Hitler's brain in a jar. And I was, oh well, how'd you get that? Oh well, I've got a Master of Disguise, and he's like, oh, that's. That's neat. How I does guess. that work? Oh, I can't tell you my secrets. No, your secret is that you have a master of disguise. This is the second time in the movie where someone decides not to tell any secrets halfway through telling all of them. And then we find out that his apparently his master plan is to black market eBay off all 100 of the most rare items in the world and then put a like rubber mask of himself on the father, kill him, and then fake his own death. Yes. So that he can take all of the money and go do whatever. It's weird because it, his setup is, I want to go live in the Bahamas and, you know, sip drinks on a chair. He's already crazy rich. Yeah. He dude, could go do that. The whole thing is you're like, oh, but you're ridiculously wealthy. Like, why would you need to fake your own death? None of this makes any sense. You could just not steal the Liberty Bell and go sleep on a chaise lounge in, in Trinidad. It's fine. It's, it's cheap there. You could already do it. <laughs> so then we get... A scene where a giant cherry pie comes in, which is actually Dana Carvey. A cherry pie is delivered to the mansion, and Dana Carvey is in the cherry pie. Yeah. And his disguise is apparently just a full bodysuit covered in little red circles that are supposed to be cherries. And he walks around the mansion like that a lot. Uh, We get, like we had mentioned, we get the only perfect disguise that he does where he impersonates one of the guards. Except even then... His feet are still the cherries, and that's how he gets found out. Well, and also that uh, he's not married. Well, that's that's how the guy... Yeah, he traps he, him. He goes, oh, are you going to see your wife? And he's like, yeah, I'll go see her after this. You're not married! Also, how did you know? Because your shoes are cherries. Yeah. <laughs> God damn this fucking uh, dumbass movie. And then he calls ninjas! He fucking calls ninjas to fight Dana Carvey. Yeah, notably, this is Brent Spiner, like, does a couple of finger snaps, and it summons ninjas. and the From nin- the ceiling, no less. Yeah. Ninjas drop down, and then Dana Carvey gets to use his power of slapping. Yeah, and we get a great sequence of him doing slapping, including a lot of Bruce Lee riff- riffing with the... Which, okay, also, now there's enough in this movie to piss me off that it didn't really matter at this point. But what angered me more than anything is the whole point of the whole slap fighting thing was, yeah, we just slap people because to actually punch them 
would be... It robs like, them of their dignity. Yeah, and it would be undignified for you. Yes. So, we're only gonna slap. The entire fight scene, he does slap people, but then he straight, like, backhands them, or, like, knocks into them with his elbows and stuff, and I'm like, you're not just slapping people, you are actually fighting them. God damn you, movie! God damn you, you didn't even follow the stupid rules that you set out! Yeah. Ah! It was an infuriating scene. <laughs> Personally, I found the extended doing the Bruce Lee noises the most offensive part of this scene, but... But whatever, I, you're right. It, the slapping was super terrible and annoying. And then this leads to Brent Spiner thinking because of all the ninjas losing that he's going to lose, so he runs away farting. And he unleashes his dad, who because the dad is so exhausted and put into the costume to be Brent Spiner, that he now channels the dark side of the energy go. Yeah, and becomes Brent Spiner. And also the grandfather is there during this scene. Yeah, the grandfather shows up and is like, oh, and we can't help him because he must do this alone. So they start talking to It's just mostly, Papa, Papa, you are not the bad Brent Spiner. Remember who you are, Papa. Do not be, do not be the bad man. You love me, you love me, Papa. I, I imagine in this sequence he'd be like, oh man, that fucking kid, that is the worst. I, I don't even think I'm Brett Spiner. I'm just trying to murder you because you are the worst. Yeah. I'm trying to save you before you make another film, son. <laughs> so, uh, and then he snaps his dad out of it by putting underwear on his head. He's like, remember when I would dress up and put the underwear on my head? And then he, rips his underwear off and puts it on his head and that's enough to snap his dad out of it like oh my god i i i've been shamed out of thinking i've i'm brent spiner you are the worst disappointment in the world oh now i remember i remember my horrible life as your father i'm closing my restaurant and moving away from you <laughs> oh and then they rescue Edie mcclurk yeah but she was been as kidnapped as she was what they did was they put her in a room that was a kitchen and apparently, as long as you put her in a kitchen, she just starts cooking and doesn't care about where she is. Yeah, that's the joke. That she's just in there, cook, cook, cook. Ooh, I'm Italian. And then the Brent Spiner's like, if you don't steal things for me, I'll kill your wife. And he's like, all right. Yeah, there you go. That's that storyline. And they rescue the two of them. And then we get the coda because you have to catch Brent Spiner at the end of the movie. So we cut to the Bahamas where, sure enough, even though he didn't succeed in selling all the rare shit in the world, he managed to go to the Bahamas and get himself a chaise lounge and sit on it and drink and, drinks. And we did get the one thing uh, that he does that was one of his impressions, which he does Bush at the very end. He there. shows up as Bush at the very end and walks around going, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he's, I, I feel like he's Bush too. Yeah, he's W. Bush, he's w. Not, uh, not, not the main George, Bush not H.W., yeah. Yeah, he's W. He, he shows up as W., which is not one of his regular impressions. He was really more of an original Bush guy. Yeah, he did do some uh, W. stuff, but yeah. he was more of a Herbert Walker. Yeah, not gonna do it. That was his whole yeah. deal. Read my lips. Yeah, so he shows up as, as W. and walks around a little bit, and Brent Spiner just gets up and runs to W., like, like it's uh, like a fish hook. Like he just He's like, oh my god, Mr. President. And, and notably, Spiner's got the Constitution in his bag. Like the the U.S. Constitution is in his bag, sticking out of it like like uh, a big old paper towel roll sticking out of a purse. Yep. And he goes running over to to W to get a picture with him. Yeah, and uh, then. He, he gets, reveals that he is actually fucking Dana Carvey. And then the pool guys, two two of the pool guys show up and there is yeah, dad no, Yeah, he calls like, oh, I get my guards. And he snaps to get the guards and the guards turn oh, out to right, be yeah. the dad and the grandpa. Yeah, and then they slap him around a little and shove him and the Constitution of the U.S. into the pool. Good job, guys. Way to do it. And so, yeah, all right, great, happy ending. No, no, no of course not. Oh, no, God, no. There's like there's like ten more minutes of this freaking thing. It has more false endings than fucking Lord of the Rings. Yeah. There's like, okay, so we get a scene where the dog can't quite skateboard the way it's supposed to. Well, we get, we do get a dance sequence of all of the characters during the credits. Yeah, all the characters do their dancing. We get a sequence where... The inside of the slapping robot was actually a little person, and he comes out and then slaps Dana Carvey some more. And he, he keeps saying, and he's dressed, I slap you. He's dressed as Mario. Yeah, he's, oh yeah. It's unremarked upon, but he's dressed as Mario. Yeah. So, and, and then, like, there's a good two, three minute scene of Dana Carvey chasing after this little person, and then they go off screen... And then it's the little person chasing Dana Carvey, and you're like, oh my oh, god. And then they sit down to talk to each other for a while. Yeah, after the credits, there's the post credit scene, where it's the two of them talking to each other, and uh, he's like, oh, you know, 
I really thought that, you know, you'd be in the slapping pot and, oh, what are you still doing here? And he goes into, like, his one-man show stick where he's like, oh, I did not see you there, you know, growing up on the streets. You're like, oh, Jesus Christ. And eventually he does the Wayne's World, the movie's over, go home thing. Yeah. He's like, it's over. Why are you still here? Yeah. Go home. And then, uh, and then it cuts to blooper shots of the dog that skateboarded during the film falling off the skateboard. And then I think it's finally over. Oh no, I think they give the dog a line. They have the dog say something near the end. And then it's finally over. There you go. There you go. Like four false endings, two of them involving a little person that can only say, I slap you. Yeah. I Even wa- when they're having a the little conversation on the couch in the post-credit sequence, he's like, oh, and then it, like, goes to the other guy and he's just like, I slap you. Yeah, he just says, I slap you. And, uh, there's also, the dance sequence involves all of the celebrities that they could talk into dancing. And characters that weren't in the film. We get a character that I assume is in an extended cut. We, the trailer has a lot of cut material in it, too. Oh, yeah. So that doesn't surprise me at all. But yeah, but it, like a, it was a, an entire character and scene that wasn't in there. Oh, yeah, like a wacky toy salesman? Yeah, he's like, I'm a toy salesman. Oh, I've got a yo-yo. Yeah. So he, he's he's doing his, like, Mad Hatter impersonation. Yeah, he's doing... It's kind of like Mad Hatter's Megorium's Wonder Emporium type thing he's doing. And, and it shows him running around a giant toy store and knocking over giant nutcrackers and stuff. None of that is in the movie. Yeah. And, and Brent Spiner's in those scenes, and Jennifer Esposito is in those scenes. So it's some huge cut sequence that they just stuffed into the credits. Oh, yeah. Like, the fact that this is the edited version. Yeah. They had a movie that was way longer... Because we also see a bunch of cut scenes, cut characters, things like that. This is what they decided was the best version of this movie. Yeah. You can tell they had way more probably all improv dumb crap that Dana Carvey did. And this is what they could edit it down to, to be the most watchable version. Ugh. That is how sad this is. Yeah, and, and you can tell from the trailer that there was even more cut. There was way more Turtle Club stuff that was in the trailer that didn't make it into the film. Oh, yeah. In the in the trailer, it's him going, am I not turtly enough for the Turtle Club? And then it's him biting a lot of things. Like, like he, he bites someone's cigar. Yeah, and he uses his weird turtle face to pull someone's wine glass out of their hand. In the film, he just says turtle over and over again and does that weird cartoon nose bite. Yeah. So, very edited down and in horrible ways. Yeah, I feel like they just wanted to edit it down to, okay, what are the scenes that have actual exposition and move the plot forward, and we're just going to use those because anything else is going to be terrible. What's the legal minimum definition of a film? Can we get, (laughs) if we could just get there, that's all we need. We can, we can splice in more shots of a dog skateboarding, but we need to get to 80 minutes or whatever. Oh yeah, it's, we need to get to a actual runtime that includes technically the story, and that's it. That's all we need. We don't need any extra scenes. Just make this be as quick and painless as possible. Ugh, this was like one of the worst examples of those, like, 90s through 2000s versions of, uh, like, the character-driven comedy where it was, like, the main character's showcase. Your love gurus, your, uh, your, your Austin Powers, all those films. This was, like, anger, anger aggravating. Oh, oh yeah. No, this is very a Sandler film. This is like Little Nicky. Oh, Little Nicky's. Would you say Little Nicky is one of the worst of the Adam Sandler movies? Or? It is probably... Well, the thing is, I haven't watched any of his, like, grown-ups or any of that stuff. Oh, yeah, those those piss me off. Because every tw- ten years or so, he'll do a movie that sucks, but that people insist doesn't, just because it's not a regular Adam Sandler movie. They'll be like, oh, no, no, you guys don't understand, he's a great actor. Haven't you ever seen Punch Drunk Love? And the thing is, yes, I have, and I also hate that movie. It's terrible. It's come at me, movie critics. Oh, Punch-struck love can eat my dick. Paul Thomas Anderson is a miracle worker, but that wasn't enough. No. he like I'm watching this going, I know what you're trying to do here. It's terrible. Because you've presented me with a movie where no one is likable. Yeah. Like, oh, God. And, and then every once in a while, he'll do the grown-ups... Or he'll do uh, whatever the most recent one he does. Like uh, Spanglish was the other one that he did that was like that, where he's like, "Oh no, it's a serious film. I'm trying to do a serious thing. I mean, it's still pretty comedic, but I want you to see that I've got real acting chops." No, no. you don't. No, all of those movies are garbage. They don't work. They, they are not Emperor's Clothes. You also made Big Daddy. Get fucked. <laughs> 
Yeah, no. Right now, all you're doing is making movies so that you can go on a vacation. That's right. it. And that Pixels bullshit that's about to come out, trying to win people over by being like old Atari characters and by having, uh, what's his name from Game of Thrones in it, uh, Peter yeah. Dinklage. The, all you're doing is wasting Peter Dinklage. You're making me mad for that. Yeah. You're going to put Peter Dinklage in your shitty movie, not use him well, yeah. and that's going to make me angry All it means you. is that there's a Peter Dinklage role out there that I can't see because it's in a fucking Adam Sandler movie. I watched The Station Agent, for God's sake. That movie <laughs> is like, uh, it might as well have been called Boring, a documentary. Uh, but I watched it for Peter Dinklage. I will not see fucking Pixels. Yeah. So, <sighs> that has been a review of Adam Sandler. <laughs> well, now back to the, let's let's wrap this bad boy up. Of the things that we expected to be in the movie. Uh, so, almost all of them were in there. Uh, we didn't get the say hello to my little friend, which, great, you managed to have restraint. I assume it was in there and they uh, cut, cut it. Yeah, yeah, it had to have been cut. Uh, no fire hydrant, but no cherry, fire hydrant. cherry pie, though. But you did get it disguised as an inanimate object, so it's and close you know, enough. The fire hydrant disguise doesn't surprise me at all, because that is a, the most classic bit of shtick for a master of disguise character. Turn into a fire hydrant, shoo away a dog. Yeah. That's that's the joke. Like that's why I assumed it would be in there. Yeah. Uh yeah. We didn't even mention his dumb dog, except for that it skateboards. He has a dog in the movie named The Cuteness. Yeah, so there's the cuteness. Great. Amazing. Awesome. Okay. So he does do bad drag, he does do one of his own shtick characters. This was not a hard movie to predict. No. Uh it was a hard movie to watch though. Yeah. It was it was more magic than you would have expected, but still not fully magic. Okay, so uh let's Let's go ahead and say, what was your, what was your favorite scene in this? Could you pick something in this that was less terrible than the rest of it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jesse Ventura steals a Liberty Bell. There you go. Awesome. The, the scene that had nothing to do with any of the actual, uh, characters in this movie. Yeah, it was two weird guards and Jesse Ventura. And, and uh, it, it was just him going, hey guys, can I borrow the Liberty Bell? Thanks for letting me borrow the Liberty Bell, guys. I'll bring it back in a minute. Perfect. Great, great work, Jesse the Body Ventura. Perfect. Yeah. What about you? Favorite scene in this thing? Uh, well, it's the only one that made me laugh, which is the, uh, Kenny G. The flute. Kenny G coming out of the flute. I don't know why that tickled me, but it was the only thing that did. It got an audible guffaw out of me. Okay, and what would you say was the most risable, horrid scene in this thing? Oh, God. Okay, what actually angered me the most in this? Probably. Cheating at slap fighting? Uh, probably the ninja scene. Mm. I just kept going, no! No! Follow your own dumb rules! Like, it, I can, I can forgive a lot in a movie if they set up something and it's dumb, but they follow through on it. But you set up a rule, that was stupid, of we only fight by slapping and saying, who's your daddy, which, oh, fuck you. Right, ugh. But, then, you set up this stupid rule... And then in the final scene where it's supposed to pay off where he does that, he doesn't do it! <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what what gave you the biggest hate boner in this movie? Uh, yeah, it was your favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the actual rest of that scene was the worst. He's literally wearing shoe polish. This brown face is so offensive it hurts. And it's, it's 2003, for God's sake. It's not like it's 1960 and it's still... You know, socially okay to put on a bunch of makeup and go, Hello, me so sorry, or whatever. He just does the worst Indian impression in the universe. Oh yeah, this is some fucking Charlie Chan, horrible, racist shit. Yeah. And it's, it hits every single note. Because not only does he do the like, Okay, I'm gonna make brown face, I'm gonna be wearing a turban, turban. I'm going to be snake charming, but then he also makes a bunch more Indian jokes. Oh, yeah. A bunch like, of... Talks about, like, Indian food and shit like that. Yeah, dot on his head. It mentions the, the crazy god with lots of arms. It's it's so bad. Yeah. I, that kind of racism is just like, how the fuck did this make it into your movie? This is not celebrating like, Indians. Like, it's one thing if you go like, oh, man, you, you did a really bad German stereotype. But you can't really be like, oh, yeah, Germans are really put down upon in this country... So that's offensive. But, like, stop it. Just stop it's it. It's the makeup. Don't put on makeup to look like another race. It just, it's just horrible. Yeah. Ugh. All right. You know, and it, it could have even been okay if they'd been like, all right, and uh, since you're Danny Carvey, we can't do the thing we're doing with the other two disguisos in this movie and having you, uh, you know, just be replaced by someone else. Yeah, if, if we had been like, 
oh, we're going to try and find an actual, like, Indian actor to come in and take your place in this scene. Yeah, I can't think of any good Indian actors from the 2003 era. I'm like, oh, just put Dev Patel in there, you know? There he is. <laughs> Except Dev Patel would have been, like, 11. <laughs> so, whatever. But even then, you'd have the same thing of, like, the Native Americans walking off the Adam Sandler movie where they're like, oh, you... You're being real racist. We're not doing this. That is one of my favorite stories in the past, like, five years, is that that shit happening on Netflix. That's Netflix's fault. Why did you get in bed with him, Netflix? (laughs) You were doing so good. House of Cards was good for one season, and then look what happened to you. Look, you got drunk on power, and you thought you could do no wrong, and and now you're making Fuller House. Fuller House, and not, not one Adam Sandler irritating cowboy movie. You've got him signed for six films. You have to put up with five more of these. Who do you think will walk off set in the next one, Adam Sandler? Will it, or sorry, Netflix? Will it be all the women? Hopefully. Oh, that'd be great. I hope following that, all the men. And then there's no one left. But Adam Sandler. It's just Adam Sandler on his own in a movie called Cargo Shorts. <laughs> uh, it's a movie called Adam Sandler Goes on Vacation. And it's just him hanging out and getting drunk and not giving a fuck. Ugh. At the end of the film, he gives the audience the finger for ten minutes. Oh, and then he eats a big piece of fried chicken, and you can see the per- the uh, company that made the fried chicken writing him a check in the background. Yeah, there you go. The end. Yay, we made an Adam Sandler film. All right, so let's see. Last time we did this, we did them on scales of 1 to 5, and then added our two scores together for our final result. Yeah, so uh on a scale of 1 to 5, this movie, for me, mm-hmm. is a 1. Uh-huh. Because it is the actual worst. It was hard to watch. Like, I, I wanted to turn it off. It was... Just terrible. So, your score? Also a one. Nothing in this was especially acceptable. There were a lot of things that were, that doing in 2003, it was too late to be doing those things. Uh, the amount of times that they did the, that's crazy enough to work joke, for oh, example. Yeah. The number of characters that they introduced, they're like, this is a part of the story. This little boy is a part of the story in some way. Nope. Yeah, oh, he's here just to introduce you to his mom. Never seen or heard from again. Yeah, he has a few more scenes in the movie, and he keeps doing the exact same shtick, but nothing happens. There's no resolution. It's just, here's some fucking character, and that happens a lot. No, it's definitely another one for me. So this this bad boy gets a two out of possible ten. Unlike bad boys. Bad boys or bad boys two, both of which would probably get somewhere in the eight out of a possible ten range. <laughs> if not a ten, because bad boys two is a great film. Come on, bad boys. Bad boys is pretty fun. Someone recommend bad boys, please, because <laughs> uh... i just like to see it again. Yep. All right, so there you have it. As always, if you if you appreciate these movie reviews, send us more movies to review. You don't have to send us the movies. Just make sure that you send us recommendations for things that aren't currently in theaters and that there's some way for us to get. Yeah, and uh, for our selection process, we like to pick ones that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Because if we go in already knowing, it takes some of the fun out of it. We want to be surprised by how awful these movies are. So, uh, if we don't pick one of the movies that you suggest, it may be because we've seen it before. Now, keep in mind that there's going to be some exceptions to that. There are certain movies that I haven't seen in long enough that I'm willing to go see again, especially because they star The Rock, because The Scorpion King is on our list right now. Well, yeah, it, we might get a thing where one of us has seen the movie and the other one hasn't, which, that's fine, because then one of us can be really excited to inflict this upon the other. Oh, that's going to happen. Did you know that John hasn't seen A Christmas Story? It's true. I haven't. I have never seen A Christmas Story. Yeah, that's right, listeners. You just learned something new about John. Yeah. And I hadn't seen Wayne, or uh, not Wayne's World, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure until he showed it to me last year. And you still haven't seen The Bogus Journey. I know, I have not seen Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So there you go, there's some stuff you could recommend. All you have to do to recommend it is send it to systemmastery at gmail.com, or send it to us on our Twitter, or just drop it in the comments below, and we'll figure it out and put it on our list. Yeah, use... Hashtag Movie Mastery, and we'll find you on Twitter. Holy God, yes. Please use hashtag Movie Mastery. That would be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag funny. Yeah, it's hashtag funny. Eat a dick. We'll find it on hashtag funny. Yeah, go to hashtag funny.com and suggest it to us. I'm talking about funny, F-U-N-N-I-E, the hashtag for discussions about Doug's extended family. Obviously. Right. So yeah. that's... Hashtag Doug funny. <laughs> no, just funny. What if I want to hear about how his dad is doing, or pork chop? Well, then you'd go to hashtag DougFunny.com slash pork chop. <laughs> you don't know how Twitter works at all. <laughs> of course I do. That's how the tweets work. The kids these days, with their twittering, and that, that ghost that wants to send me boobs, but for only six seconds... Damn you, ghost. Oh, Snapchat is the worst. (laughs) 
Oh, uh, Snapchat. I want boobs to last, people. I, my eyes don't work as good as they used to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sitting there going like, wait a minute, are those boobs? Oh, no! It's gone! Ah, I think that might have been boobs! I, I missed it! I, I wasn't ready! I didn't listen! <laughs> but there was time now. It's it's not fair. Oh, yeah, 100%. Snapchat is basically a Twilight Zone episode where you're like, oh, they sent me boobs at last! And it only lasts for two seconds. He's like, no! I had boobs now. I had them. They were mine. In my hand. It's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I think we just wrote our next script. There you go. All right. So, uh, as always, this is Movie Mastery, our new podcast, but we also have a couple of other ones. Check us out on System Mastery, our podcast where we review old role-playing games. Yeah. If you like uh, comedy and old role-playing games then maybe you'll like us. We've got one of those. If you listen to this, you're probably already on board to listen to us talking about old role-playing games. It's basically the same shit. Pretty much. Yeah. And Uh, then, of course, we have our Patreon you can support, patreon.com slash systemmastery, and you can always leave comments or suggestions for role-playing games or movies at any one of our many social media outlets. Yep. We uh, love to hear from you, the listener. Let us know what you want. We also have an Afterthought podcast where... Uh, we usually discuss topics related to the System Mastery Podcast, but we do a lot of uh, listener mail, so if you've got questions for us, anything like that, get personal, ask us anything you want. If you want to know how my Swamp Ass is doing, let me know. You have no idea how bad his Swamp Ass is doing, because I know a lot of our listeners aren't in Southern California right now, and we're currently experiencing the part of year known as Hot Fog. Yeah, so it's hot fog season here. Hot fog, where it's 90 degrees outside and foggy, and everything is sweaty. Even things that can't sweat. Yeah, so uh, it's basically, if you're in Florida, just think of it as normal day. Oh, yeah. I've never been to Florida. Well, no, that's not true. I was there in 97, but it was actually pretty nice. If you're there for two months, basically December or January, it's livable. Yeah. There you go. Florida, a horrible place. Florida, don't be there. <laughs> Cheese dudes, when you're here... You're under surveillance. (laughs) Uh, All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Movie Mastery. We will be back later with another terrible movie as per your suggestions. Thank you and have a good week. Yeah, hot mic. <laughs> give her the old hot mic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, somehow, even though Carl seems like a cruder name than Mike, the hot mic seems like a worse sex move than the hot Carl. And the hot Carl is already really bad. No, see, the hot Carl sounds dirty. The hot mic just sounds like it would be kind of boring. Like, you go, yeah, I'm going to give her the hot mic. And it would just be like, missionary. <laughs> yeah, that's the old hot mic. That's my signature move. <laughs> Now, the hot mic is when you, you just, like, tap the end of your dick, and you're like, hello, is this thing on? <laughs> and there's feedback coming out of it. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Oh, turn that speaker off. Are you on the phone? <laughs> Girl, I am trying to give you the hot mic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Welcome to Movie Mastery. Yeah, let's, let's, let's not do the hot mic beginning. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> <laughs>